Well, it's been very good, hasn't it? It's been, uh, it's been a great time. So I might just throw to questions now and see what we can do from there. Uh, we've had... Uh, I'm never going to be able to drive past Civic Video anymore without thinking of the board meeting that's going on inside and how it's operating. We've had 20 minutes with Bette Midler. That's been uh, a beautiful kind of self-reflective experience. Um, I'm going to change tack entirely. And uh, one of the great blessings uh, that will come from this is because of what we've heard so far, I'm going to cut it back what I have to say. But um, what I want to talk to us about, I was asked to rant. So I was asked to actually um, choose whatever you want to rant about. So here's my uh, long service leave rant. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, and I think a lot about for myself, the, the, I have a real passion to see people one for Christ. Yeah? It's, um, for me, it's, uh, it's been there from the moment of conversion. It was part of my process of coming to Christ that uh, the world needs to hear these things. I've heard these things. How wonderful. And it's always been with me. So this real drive to see the world one and captured. And in the midst of that, I've been very aware of a temptation. And I want to I make it open because we all have this temptation. To make the Christian message as attractive as possible. To win as many as possible. And given what uh, we've heard, uh, Roy's taken us through the whole secularisation of our context and circumstance. We are under great pressure to bring a message to a world that's less and less interested. How do we make it attractive? How do we get people to come and hear what we have to say? Now, there is much in the Christian message that is attractive, um, but there's much that isn't, and I want to talk to you about that. At our particular time, we're vulnerable on a number of fronts. One of the areas I think we're vulnerable on is our understanding of human identity. Who we are as humans. Who do we think we are? How do we think about ourselves? What are we? I think that's a profoundly uh, contagious discussion that's happening around the place. It runs beneath the surface. And it's obvious, I think, that it's at the heart of much of our current conflict. The world is captured by a couple of very strong concepts. You'll know them like I do. If you can pin freedom to something, you'll... Get it marketed, yeah? If, if I can make it sound like it's about equality, it'll win the day. If I can talk about uh, how something will bring happiness into your circumstance, it will win the day. Um, I, we, we've just been to a South Pacific island to have a... Um, we, we, we've had long service leave. We wanted to finish it off with this really lovely once-in-a-lifetime um, warm South Pacific experience. And so we went to Vanuatu for the last 10 days. Anyone know what's happened in Vanuatu the last 10 days? We arrived with the biggest cyclone ever in the South Pacific in history in May. And we left when it finished. And so we've had this time in Vanuatu with cloud, rain and storms and so on. But what, when you go through Vanuatu, one thing that's noticeable is the signs everywhere selling Digicel. And how do they sell Digicel? Uh, happiness is Digicel. Uh, freedom is Digicel. It's extraordinary. It's just, I don't, Digicel obviously is some kind of mobile phone thing or something, but it's everywhere and it's being marketed as freedom uh, and happiness. Now, that's the way to tap into our world. Hit those few things. Now, it's possible as we preach the gospel in our longings to see people one to Christ to appeal to those deep desires, freedom that's found in Christ, uh, human flourishing, 
and joy and happiness that's found in Christ. These things are quite winsome. And they're true. There is a great truth in them, of course. A new equality that comes and so on. But there are dangers, and I want to talk to you about those. In our rush to not appear critical, negative, or judgmental, we can often sometimes reinforce the very problems we're dealing with in our world. We can fail to speak the truth that needs to be spoken. And it's our problem as evangelists. Freedom, equality, happiness have a dark edge in contemporary thinking. Each of them are not only expressions of humans made in the image of God and are proper for us, but each of them has also an expression of human sin. And it needs to be differentiated very clearly where freedom is an expression of human sin and where freedom is simply a proper desire for one made in the image of God. These things need to be given great care. Let me show you what I mean. Freedom. Freedom is a wonderful gift of the gospel. The truth sets us free. But at one level, it's precisely our community's desire for freedom that means they'll be condemned. Most often when freedom is advocated or placarded, pursued by people in our community, it is the freedom that is the desire for self-ruling. It's freedom that's the desire for being self-defining, self-asserting. It's freedom from restraint. It's freedom from any restraint. It's freedom to be whatever I want to be. Freedom in our community is most particularly the freedom to do whatever I want and have no one stop me. Yes? Now the drive for same-sex marriage the drive for uh, gender um, mainstreaming, the whole gender fluidity, the, the um, uh, homosexuality, these things are placarded for us as uh, a desire for freedom and to express our freedom and they get great traction because of that in our community. But deep down, they are an expression of a prideful assertion of total independence. Deep down, that's what they are. And these things need to be repented of, our desire for freedom. Do you see? We need to repent of freedom and not endorse it. Now, human flourishing. It's become a huge part of our apologetic as evangelists and it is an attractive and positive expression. Uh, If I can help people see that coming to Christ will bring human flourishing, uh, it's a very positive, affirming, life-affirming, helpful, warm way of speaking. People want to flourish. Um, And and if we can speak of a way of getting what they want just more wonderfully, uh, everyone will think well of us. The danger, though, is that we can shape our apologetic in a way that never deals with what sin actually is. Tied to this is the use of idolatry in our apologetics. This language, the language of idolatry, is being used more and more in our apologetics. It's it's been interesting being in ministry now for so long, you see the fads and fashions, the changes and shifts that occur. Um, Idolatry has now become the category of sin. It's become, sin is defined as idolatry and it's being used uh, in very winsome ways to speak into our community. The language is being used more and more often. We speak of sin as turning good things into God things. Now you can see how warm that is. 
what you're doing is turning a good thing, let's not be down on it, into a God thing. Do you see the mistake you've made? It's a very attractive way to address our community because it enables us to diagnose people's failure to flourish simply because they've made a mistake. They've put their hope in wrong things and living for that which will fail them. And we don't want that. They don't want that. They don't want to fail. Let's bring them a more positive expression of where they can find true flourishing in life. But if that's our expression of sin, it is very much inadequate. It is only part of the truth. And when it becomes the dominant picture, it messes with our ministries. What is a human? What is a human? We are fundamentally creatures made by a holy creator, God. Yes, there is the first profound truth that the the Bible brings to us. At the deepest level, we weren't made for the kind of freedom that people cry out for. We aren't able to be whatever we want to be. There are constraints, there's reality, and there is God who constrains us. We have been made for something, for someone. We are not infinitely malleable. That's not who we are. We are only properly aligned with what we are when we submit again to God, the one we were made by and for. We are made to honour him, praise him and glory in him. Sin. At root, sin isn't idolatry. Idolatry is sin. But more properly, more formally, sin is prideful rebellion from God. That's what sin is. It is prideful rebellion from God and from his purposes for us. Sin is the desire to throw God off and be free of him. That's what sin is. The desire to throw God off and be free of him. To be free of his will for us, to live how we want in prideful rebellion. It is to be lawless, to cast off the will of God. Either the revealed will or the conscience, the deep will, that's what sin is. Now this may seem somewhat pedantic to draw this attention, but let me tell you why it matters to get these things right. Um, When we make sin is idolatry, the dominant category, we've turned good things into God things, it has apologetic value, but it lacks the edge it needs to have. It communicates a world with us still at the centre, where we have failed to choose wisely and so are hurting ourselves. It often communicates sin as a weakness, as a foolishness, which we better correct if we want to flourish. But in fact, the Bible's diagnosis is that we have looked to the wrong things and made idols of them because in our pride, we would not have God. That's a massively important and critical reorientation. We have made things to worship and idolise. Because we would not have God in our pride. 
we want it to be free of him to worship created things. And so we have given ourselves to other things, not as a mistake, but as an expression of hostility towards God and his rule over us, the restraints that he brings into our lives. Sin is a deeper and darker thing than a foolish choice to love the wrong things. It is a deep hostility towards the God who has made us, who loved us and has given himself for us. It is a deep hostility to him. It is a deep hostility that the pride within us does not want to face or deal with because sin is evil and ugly. It is not just foolish. It is foolish. It is mistaken. We have missed the mark. We have been utterly stupid. We have become depraved, yes, but it is far more ugly. It begins in a hostility towards God, which means I choose to put my hope in other things. And that orientation is critical. And it's a hostility further that we are bound over to, we are in captivity to. Uh, we, are, we are tied to this, not because of compulsion, but because of necessity is the language. We cannot but be hostile to our God because of what we have chosen to do. Now bound to the will of Satan, who rides us for his purposes, and we willingly go along with that. That's our world. And so we are now helpless in our sin, apart from the good graces of a loving God. Now here's our problem. As evangelists, as people who want to grow the church and attract the crowds, win our friends and family to the things of Christ... The deepest sense of sin is utterly unappealing, isn't it? Very hard to make people warm to you if that's the conversation you're going to have. You've not just been foolish, you've been hostile and at enmity with your God. You know, uh, the, 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 the human flourishing, the, the idolatry kind of portrayal um, uh, is appealing the deepest truth about sin does not play well in the marketplace. Why do you think it doesn't play well in the marketplace? Because our world doesn't want to hear it. You know, we are proud rebels and homosexuality, same-sex marriage may actually help some people flourish in this life. It may. The deepest reason why we need to speak against homosexuality is because it offends our God. There's the deepest reason. Because God hates it. The practice of homosexuality. As he hates every sin. But if we don't have the courage to say what the Bible actually says about these things, we are in grave danger for future generations. Now, be conscious of the dangers in your own hearts. The longing for growth, to see more people. I'm an evangelist. I, I want to find the best way to win people to Christ. I, I want to have people hear the glory of Jesus. 
But the thing is, here it is, we are first and foremost heralds. That's what we are first and foremost. Our task is to herald the gospel to the world, which includes the need to repent, not just put away self-harm, but to repent of our rebellion and hostility to a good and loving God. We need to call people to repent of pride, of thinking of themselves better than they are, of imagining that we are at the centre of the universe. We need to call people to repent that the truth is that God is at the centre. We are made by him and for him. And we need to call people to repentance that they might know the profound love of God, that he loved the world and gave his only son. And you know in John's Gospel, the language of world is the world of enmity and hostility. It's that world that he loved, which makes that verse astonishing. Isn't it? Why we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Not why we were foolish, why we were still enemies. As we make too much of the utilitarian argument of sin, um, that is the sin will destroy your life, come to Christ, your life will flourish. As we make too much of that kind of consequential kind of argument about come to Christ, uh, it, we, we actually, we do great damage. We fail our people. We fail to help them truly see themselves and the utter depravity and horror and evil of sin. And therefore we fail to truly help them see the absolute glory of God's grace. The utterly humbling wonder of it. The truly life-energising greatness of knowing a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. Let me give you a consequential argument to finish with though. If we can help people appreciate the true devastating nature of sin that you are hostile to God in your pride and yet he still sent a saviour such as his love if we can help people appreciate that we will truly build communities that are profoundly attractive because they'll be full of people who get it who are captured by the wonder of the gospel who are captured by the wonder of a God who loves so much that he would stoop to lift us out of the mire that we're in. We would build communities that are truly humble, that are truly thankful, and that are truly energised by the change that God has wrought in their lives. Don't, don't withdraw from speaking and heralding the truth that the Bible presents us with in our desire to win as many as possible. We will only destroy the very work that God has commissioned us to engage in. I'm going to pray. Let me do that for us to finish. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much that you sent your Son while we were still enemies. Please, we ask, reveal to us more and more that negative and dreadful truth about the horror of our sin, that we might not live with shallow understandings of who we are, that we might therefore know you even better and be captured more wonderfully by all that you've done. And we pray, please, for our country that you might 
raise up a generation of men and women who will speak the truth, who will herald the truth, who will do it with great discernment, who will do it winsomely. But we pray that by your power and sovereign will, you might cause your gospel, the gospel news of repentance and faith in Jesus, to find a ready audience of hearts and minds that have been brought to life only by you to see their need of forgiveness in the one who provides it so abundantly. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.